We would like to welcome you this morning to Mission Bible Fellowship as Pastor Stuart Guthrie brings a message from God's Word. We hope it challenges, encourages, and strengthens your walk with the Lord. This morning to go to the Lord in prayer before we open God's Word. Father Lord, we come to you today uh, broken and humble and God, we know there are many living on the mountaintops, and yet there are many living in the valleys of life. And So we ask that you help each one of us, help each person in their coming and going, whether they're on the mountaintop or going to the valley or in the valley and going to the mountaintop. And we ask that you keep them strong. Keep us, remain focused on serving you when times are hard. And when things seem to be falling apart, many places, Lord, we know you're in control. We trust you. We trust in your sovereignty, God, that you are in control and everything that happens is based off of your desire, for your glory and for your honor, whether now or in the future. Lord, your word promises that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And today we trust in that promise. And we ask that you today and the days to come that you help us become better witnesses for Jesus Christ. In our daily lives, in our businesses, in our worship, and in our service to you, Lord. I ask this morning you empower me and you fill me with the Holy Spirit that I might speak your truth and, and we ask that you prepare the hearts of your people. Lord, as we open your word this morning, we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> I thought it was appropriate. I hurt my back a couple days ago and so uh, I went to Shane's dad, Mr. Herman, and he, he's a massage therapist. And I thought I was hurting before I went. And, but, but as he was working on me, he's like, you know, he's pushing down here in my guts. And, you know, do you feel that? Well, of course I feel that. It hurts. You know, and, and we got to talking about links of, you know, his father's a pastor. And, and we got to talking about links of service and preaching. And, you know, many of you know that when I arrived here, my sermons went for almost an hour. And... Uh, and I've, I've, I, and, I've, and I've backed that off a little bit because as I was sitting there and he was working on me, he, he taught me a lesson. He said, Stuart, I could, I could put all the pressure on you at one time and you wouldn't be ready for it. It would hurt. And so this morning, I, I thought it would be appropriate to say that because... Uh, Don't think that because there's a 30-minute sermon that my studies are any less or that my desire to see transformation in your lives is any difference. But I also want us to understand that no pain, no gain. At least least with my back. And I'm standing up here this morning and I couldn't have did that two days ago. And so... I know there are many of you that, that have questioned why I'm, I've knocked the sermons down, and that's, that's the answer. Um, and, it's, and it's a delight to be able to serve, whether 30 minutes or an hour, I take what I've got and I'll preach it. And so I thank you this morning for coming and being a part of this 
this church here at Mission Bible Fellowship. And we've been working through the book of 1 Peter for those that are visiting. Uh, we've been in it now for 15 weeks and we looked, uh, we've been building an outline and we've looked at the salutation, the greeting, uh, verses 1 to 2. And we go to the next slide, please. Uh, we've looked at Peter's response to the Christian salvation. We looked at Peter's uh, response to the Christian relationships where we looked at submission into the government, submission into bad bosses, and how that uh, relationship within, in the family works within the wife and within the husband. And this week, in the weeks to come, we'll be looking at Peter's response to the Christian suffering and their service. Now this message is very, very important for us as Christians because we all, each one of us, including myself, can become better witnesses for Jesus Christ. Peter is writing again during a time of great persecution. Remember Nero is the governor. He's the, he's the leader of the time. He dipped Christians in oil, lit them on fire to light up Rome. He played sports with killing Christians. And so these people are under a time of immense persecution. But yet here Peter wants us to still see and understand the importance of becoming effective witnesses no matter our circumstance. And so without delay, let us journey through these first few verses today, if you will. Turn with me to the book of 1 Peter. If you're new to the Bible, flip all the way to the back to the book of Revelations and thumb backwards, and within a few books you will find the book of 1 Peter. So if you will, turn with me to chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. The f 1 Peter, chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. I'm reading from the New American Standard. And it says this... Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear their intimidation. Do not be troubled. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Yet with gentleness and reverence, and keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right than for doing what is wrong. You know, as I studied this, I had to think about our culture today. Uh, there are Christians all across the world being persecuted for their faith. There were then and there are now and there will be more and more in the future. The persecuted people are still around. They persecuted Jesus Christ. They sent Him to the cross. When the church started up, they began to hate and persecute the church. People not only began to hate Christ, they began to hate church. And today in our society, more and more people are beginning to hate Christians in our day. Four things that I want you to get from this message this morning I think will help you become better witnesses, more effective witnesses in your walk with Christ. But we need to remember that people are losing their lives. People are suffering for the name of Christ. And Peter is going to give us good, clear direction on how we can become better, effective witnesses 
for Jesus Christ. Number one, we need to be zealous for what is good. Number two, we need to be bold in persecution. Thirdly, we need to be ready to share. And fourthly, we need to be conscious of good. Let us look at point number one. We need to be zealous for good. He says in verse 13 this, Whom is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? Peter starts out with a great rhetorical question. He asks, Whom will harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? Peter knows the answer. It's no surprise to him. And he understands that in normal situations, when you and I and those that are in the world do right and what is good, we don't typically expect to have harm sent our way. Now, are there people whom do right and experience harm in this world? Of course there is. That's what we call persecution. But in this verse, he doesn't go there yet. He says that we are to be zealous for what is right. Now, the word zealous here is a, is a unique word, but it's pretty simple. And here it means this. It means to be deeply committed to something. It means... Uh, to, have, to be zealous for something or to be enthusiastic about something. The question that you and I have to ask ourselves this morning, are we deeply committed to doing good? Are we completely zealous about the good things in our walk with the Lord? Now during the time of the Maccabees, there existed a people among the Jewish people. And these people were very uh, committed to the Mosaic Law. Even to the point of if another group were to break the Mosaic Law, that they would take out action of violence toward these people to prevent religion from being violated. And so they were called the zealots. And they were committed. Are we zealots for good this morning? You know, as a preacher, I want to be zealous for the Word of God. I want to be excited and committed. I want to be zealous for that which is good. And I want the Word of God to ring that way as I preach and as I teach the Word of God. And I want you as, as well to be zealous for that which is good and for the Word of God in your own lives. I want to make an impact for Jesus Christ. Because if the Bible's true, and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and everything I do here is a reflection of what happens in the afterlife in heaven with Jesus, then I want to make an impact for Jesus Christ. And I want you to have that desire as well. Now, who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? Now, some may be more zealous for worldly things in our day. We get all excited about football. We get all excited about golf and hunting and fishing and whatever it is that drives you home. The question is, how is our zealots for the things of God, for the good things of His life? Listen, this world wants to draw you away from this place. It wants to draw you away from the Word of God. It wants you to do things that bring good times to yourself and yet takes you away from eternal things. It wants you to focus on temporary things. But we need to make sure that we are witnessing with zeal. The Christian faith is something to be excited about. Coming to church or, or is something to be excited about or enthusiastic about. 
As your pastor, listen, there's no other day of the week that I look more forward to than to fellowshipping with my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ in the house of God on Sunday morning. We need to have that zeal in our lives. Now, I understand that I can't give you this zeal. Only God can put that in your heart and give you the desire for the Word of God, give you the desire to fellowship with the people of God. My prayer this morning is that we will become more zealous because until we become zealous for the Word of God, we cannot be effective witnesses in the world within our church. You see, no harm can come if you have zeal for the truth. And so we need to be zealots, but also we need to be bold in persecution. We need to be bold in persecution. Now, I don't believe Peter here is saying that there will never receive, anyone will receive persecution when he says no one will harm you. That's not what he means. In light of eternity, no one can harm you. And if you're walking with the Lord, now, you can be bold for Christ. You can be bold for Jesus Christ in our day and the days to come. Listen, this world, the people, listen, this world, but not only this world, the people in the household of God, they may lash out at you. Verbally, mentally, and they may even affect your circumstances. It may be even physically, but they can't harm you. Therefore, we can be bold. When we go out into a world that hates Jesus Christ, listen, you will receive persecution. You will be called a Jesus freak, a religious freak. You can think of whatever you want to call it. You'll be called that if you're effectively witnessing for Jesus Christ. Peter says in verse 14, But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. On July 6, uh, 1415, a man by the name of John Huss was given an opportunity to recant his beliefs about Jesus Christ and the teachings of Whitcliffe. But when he refused, he was taken to a cathedral, stripped down naked, led into a courtyard, tied to a stake and given one last chance to recant his belief in Jesus Christ. And this is what Huss responded with. Lord Jesus, it is for Thee that I patiently endure this cruel death. I pray Thee to have mercy on my enemies. And one of the followers of Huss, the witness of his execution, said this, that as Huss there died at the stake, by being engulfed in flames, he sang psalms. That's effective witnessing. That's standing up for your faith. Being bold for Jesus Christ. Now, obviously we don't see that a lot in America. I'm sure some things happen. People lose their lives. There at any one time is over 200 million Christians in the world being persecuted for their faith. I had the opportunity last night to listen to a missionary from China in Missoula. And I listened to his story about how the underground church was being persecuted and how there were pastors that had spent life in jail and died in jail because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And yet we have freedom in America like none other, but we're so free that we take advantage of it. And I pray the Lord help us to not take advantage of it, but to utilize the freedom we have to make a major impact for Jesus Christ. 
Even if you should suffer for the sake of Christ, you are blessed. You want to be an effective witness, then you be bold for your faith. You stand up for what is right and what is good. Now, it may be more acceptable for men uh, to recant. It may be even more acceptable and less painful to recant your faith in Christ. But to suffer is to be blessed. Look at Stephen. Do you remember Stephen in the book of Acts as he was stoned to death? The first martyr of the faith. Bold for Jesus Christ. He was blessed. Now I find it interesting that here in this book we have Peter telling us this story. Do not fear their intimidation. Do not be troubled. Listen, wasn't this the same man that stood there that night that Jesus was arrested and rejected Jesus Christ before men three times? And now he's going to tell us that we should not be fearful and intimidated and not to be troubled. What's happened? Seems he has a different attitude towards being fearful of men than he did that night. He has now become fearful of the Lord and no longer fearful of the men. And it wasn't long after this book was penned that Peter was martyred for his faith. We can learn from this man's mistakes. You remember in the night in the upper room when Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? He said, yeah. Jesus said, do you love me? Yeah. It broke Peter's heart that God was asking him that. And then he went as far as to ask him again, do you love me? Yes. Then feed my sheep. The same amount of times that Peter rejected Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ asked him, do you love me? There was a transformation that took place in the life of Peter. He understands now that we're not to be fearful of men. They can hurt you physically, but they can't harm you. They can beat you, but they can't destroy you. Matthew 10, 28 says it this way, Do not fear those who kill the body, but yet are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Him is the one that we need to fear. We need to have a reverence in all for God, for Jesus Christ. And we need to be bold for Jesus Christ in order to be effective witnesses in this world and we live in. And listen, the young people, they want to see true, genuine faith. You can't fool them. They know the truth. If you are a fake Christian, they know it. They'll call you on it. I don't know what's going on, but they get it. And so we need to be bold for our faith in Christ and set the example for the youth in this church because we do have a lot of children in this church. And believe it or not, these young people look up to you adults, especially the leaders in this church. And as your pastor, I expect you to set the example as well as I set the example. So these young people, they're not deceived because we know the warning that goes against leading young people astray. Be better a millstone tied around your foot. Are you scared to share your faith? It's a legitimate question. I was scared to share my faith as a new believer, at least for the first week, until I was put in a position I had to. How will you then stand against a burning stake if you're afraid to share your faith among men that don't persecute you? We are coming into a time and in a culture where it's, we're getting further and further away from God.
And there are people being persecuted all across the world. When we travel to Ukraine, there's a good opportunity we could be persecuted for our faith. But we go in faith and boldly proclaim Jesus Christ in those churches. Peter here is our example. Maybe this morning you have failed in being bold for your faith. And listen, Peter did as well. There's no reason to beat yourself over the head. There's no reason to put hardship on yourself. Peter failed as well, and now he's reminding us that we can now be bold for Jesus Christ. When you know that your faith may cost you your job, you do it anyways. You trust in God. Because the only reason you have the job is because God gave it to you anyway. Let your light shine among men in a way that they see your good deeds. And glorify your Father who is in heaven. We need Christians today to make bold stances for Jesus Christ. We were talking this week and, and we were talking about bold people and, and things that people have done that have stepped out on faith. And, and uh, I can't remember, maybe it was Rob or somebody else that, that made mention to a, a movie by the name of Chariots of Fire. I, I've never watched the movie. But as he began to tell me the story, I remember the story because there was a man that spoke down in Hilton Head Island, South Carolina, where I'm from, and it was him. And he told the story about how he as an Olympic runner was called to run on Sunday morning. His name was Eric Liddell. And he was called to run in the heat on Sunday morning and he was forced to withdraw from the 100 meters which was his best because he said, I won't run on Sunday morning. When Olympic Day came, uh, the 400 meter race... Liddell went to the starting blocks and an American Olympian team member slipped a piece of paper into his hand with a quotation from 1 Samuel 2.30. And it says this, Those who honor me, I will honor. Listen, in order to be effective witnesses... We need to be bold for Jesus Christ. If every Christian in the world said, you know what, I'm not doing that on Sunday, they'd start rescheduling the events. We need to be bold. It's not about legalism. You don't have to come to church to be saved. You have to come to church to be obedient. We need effective witnesses today. It may cost you everything. It may cost you to suffer the loss of a job. It may cost you to suffer the loss of a game or an event or the loss of a friend or even the loss of a family member. Then so be it. But we be bold in our faith. Look at the Sermon on the Mount. He says in Matthew 5.11 Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. If you are walking with Jesus Christ, people will persecute you. It comes in all types of different forms. But remember, you are blessed while doing that. 
But on the flip side of this, we see Luke chapter 6, verse 26. It says, Woe to you when all men speak well of you. You want to fit in? Be careful. Listen, as your pastor, I could tickle your ears this morning. I could give you something that would make you excited and happy and not feel convicted. I could tell you there's no such thing as a virgin birth. That's not even scientific. I could tell you there's really no such thing as inerrancy of Scripture. I could tell you that there's not a a literal hell like Rob Bell teaches to 7,000 member church. But when you decide to live for Jesus Christ, you will endure, we will endure suffering. But we will be blessed by the Lord Jesus Christ. We might not be popular. We might not be uh, looked upon nicely. But listen, in the eyes of the one that really matters, you and I will be blessed when we stand up bold for Jesus Christ. We need to be bold in order to be effective witnesses. But thirdly, we need to be ready to share. We need to be ready to share. If you're not sharing your faith this morning or this week or this month or this year, you're not being effective witnesses. Because if you remember, faith comes by hearing and the hearing of Word of God. Right in the beginning of the first chapter, or there in 1 Peter, in the early parts, he says you were born again, if you remember, of seed which is... Imperishable. Not perishable. That is through the living and enduring Word of God. It's by the Word of God people come to know Jesus Christ. We could tell them a good philosophy. We could give them good entertainment. But that's not what saves people. It's the Word of God. And if we're not sharing, we're not being effective. So how is it that we can become more effective? I mean, it's easy for me to stand up here and say, if you're not sharing your faith, you're not being effective. How is it that we can become effective? That's the result that I want to see in myself and in you and in everybody across the world who are Christians. We want to be effective witnesses. Now, I don't want you to beat yourself over the head because you haven't been effective witnesses. That's not the objective. The objective is to teach the Scriptures, to say this is what He's called us to do, to be effective witnesses, and allow the Holy Spirit to convict your heart and to tell you how we can become better effective witnesses. That should be our desire. We shouldn't walk out of these doors discouraged. We should walk out encouraged to say, you know what, Stuart's right. The Bible's right. God is right. I can be an effective witness for Jesus Christ. And today can be the first day of the rest of my life. And I'm going to stand strong and bold for Jesus Christ. So how can we become more effective? He says this in verse 15. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. The first step to sanctify, the first step is to sanctify Jesus Christ as Lord in your hearts. To set Him apart. Think back, for me it was 2001, March 25th, 2001, when I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, think about your life. When was it that you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ? Now think back to that moment and the love that you had for Jesus. The passion that you had for Jesus. The zeal you had. The excitement in which you could sit through a whole service and listen and keep your eyes open and desire to hear the Word of God. Think about it. Now think back. For me, it was 11 years ago when I met my wife Jennifer. 
Now think about how much excitement it was when you met your first love. When you met your wife, or your spouse, or your husband. Think back to the hours you spent thinking of her, talking about her, sharing with other people this woman, this sweet lady that you now knew. And oh, how you set her apart. And as a young believer, oh, how you set Jesus Christ apart. In order to be effective witnesses, we must set Christ apart. You must sanctify Jesus Christ as Lord. There in Revelation, we see a message to the church at Ephesus. Remember, these are saints. These are faithful followers of Jesus Christ. But what we find here is terrifying to me. Probably the one of the most horrifying passages that I've ever read as a pastor. Revelation 2, 2-5 says this, I know your deeds, your toil, your perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil men, and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles. And they are not. And you found them to be false. Here we have a people that are persevering. They're faithful. They're working. They're serving the Lord. They're casting out false teachers. And three, he continues and says, You have perseverance and have endured. For my name's sake. Oh, they're doing a good job. And you have not grown weary. In all of this service, in all of this thing, they have served without growing weary. But he says this in verse 4, But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first or else I'm coming to you and I will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. You know why I want to desire to be a zealot for that which is good? For righteousness. You want to know why I want to be bold for the Scriptures? Be bold for Jesus Christ? You want to know why I think it's important to be ready to share our faith with the world around us? Because there are churches all across this world, all across North America, all across Montana, and even in the county of Missoula that God has removed their lampstand. And I can't think of anything worse for a pastor than to, to, to comprehend that God could remove the lampstand from Mission Bible Fellowship. We have to be effective witnesses for Jesus Christ. It was because they left their first love. These people worked, they toiled, they preserved, persevered, I mean. They put away evil men. They left their first love, though. And many of us need to fall back in love with Jesus Christ. You know, Christ doesn't leave us, we leave Him. 
We step away from Him. He doesn't step away from us. And He's waiting for us as individuals to turn back to Him so that we can have an effective witness for the kingdom of God. And we can see souls step into the kingdom of God because every day we see people walk and drive down this road that do not know Jesus Christ. And without Christ, there's no hope. There's eternal separation from God in a place they call hell. There's a song that says, Give me eyes to see. Give give me eyes to see as you see, God. Because if we saw people the way God sees them, He sees them separated. And we should have a burning desire within our souls to reach people. Now, not everyone has the gift of evangelism. That's a spiritual gift that God gives certain people. But how can we begin to become effective witnesses? Some bless people with money. They can give to missions. They can encourage those who are sharing their faith, that are encouraging those to go across cross-cultural missions where people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ in droves because they've been in communism for so many years. We need to be ready to give a defense for the hope that is within us. To set Christ apart as Lord in our lives, but we need not only to do it, we don't need to do it with pride, we need to do it with gentleness and reverence. We need to do it with gentleness and reverence. You see, Jesus Christ paid it all, and He wishes that all would come to Him and set Him apart. And so I ask you this morning, will you do that? We need to be ready to share and finally, we need to be conscious of good. He says in verse 16 and 17, and keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better if you... It's better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right than for what is doing wrong. We need to have a good conscience so that those who slander us will be put to shame. You see, when the word spreads that a person has done something bad or evil, it seems true at face value But it's not until the one who hears the slander sees for themselves the good works that are being produced from the person that has been reviled, then and only then is that slanderer put to shame. When somebody slanders us, we need to have good behavior so that they are put to shame. So that brothers and sisters across the county, across our church, see that this is not true. I wonder how many there at the cross at Calvary were put to shame. How many bought into the reviled remarks about our Lord Jesus Christ as He hung there on that cross? They accused Him of all of these things. And I wonder how many there that day were put to shame. And how many thought that what they heard was true when really they didn't know? But when Jesus Christ said, Forgive them, for they do not know what they do. 
they realized it. And all of the lies and all of the heresy that they had been said about Jesus Christ became true. And the thief on the cross understood it. He said, this man's done nothing wrong. It is better that God willed for Christ to suffer for what was right than Him to lash back out for what He was being done to. Will you this morning look at Christ as a liar, lunatic, or Lord? Will you look at Him as your Savior, the Savior of the world, Listen, in order to be effective witnesses for Christ, you must suffer for doing right, rather doing what's wrong with no suffering. Praise God that Jesus Christ suffered for what was right by going to the cross at Calvary that we might have life. Let us live lives, not only today, not only this week, but striving when we fall down Lean on Jesus Christ and get back up and strive to be effective witnesses in this world today. Let us pray.